Good evening. You're listening to the Parliament of Rooks podcast, episode 17, Cringes on Earth B. Well, I'm a king, babe. I want you to be my queen. Yeah. I'm a king, babe, baby. want you to be my queen. Well, together we can make honey, baby. The world has never seen. Okay, let's buzz a while. A buzz buzz. A buzz buzz. A buzz buzz. A buzz buzz. What's the name of Welcome back, everyone, to the Parliament of Rooks podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Lanise. And this is his wife, Melanie Lanise. Uh, so when last we left you, we had just watched an episode of the uh, the old 1966 Batman TV show, uh, Zelda the Great, and uh, you know we had left it on a cliffhanger with our dear old Aunt Harriet, you know, hanging precariously over a vat of flaming oil, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know we we sweated it out, and we were pretty sure that she's a goner, but you know, but who knows? <laughs> you know, perhaps our our dynamic duo is going to sweep into her uh, rescue. Um, a little peek behind the scenes, you know, similar to the way the uh, the Batman TV show was originally broadcast. Uh, we had mentioned, you know, uh, they had these two-parters, you know, basically on back-to-back nights. You know, they would do mm-hmm. part one on Wednesday, leave it on a cliffhanger, and then, uh, you know, broadcast the exciting conclusion the following day on the on Thursday. Uh, well, similar to that, you know, Melon and I, as, you know, we mentioned, we were, you know, prepping for a trip of Melanie's. Uh, we're actually recording these episodes back-to-back. So we just watched, you know, Zelda the Great last night, mm-hmm. and, and now we are going to see the exciting conclusion uh, today, uh, the episode called A a Death Worse Than Fate. I hope they saved your Aunt Harriet. <laughs> you hope they save her? I, I, I think they might. <laughs> All right, um, so without further ado then, uh, you want to go ahead and fire this up? Okay. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so just one sec. Let's, uh, and away we go. Batman in color. Oh, so we have our narrator kicking in, basically giving us a recap. We've already seen the Gotham City Bank. And that explosion. That explosion. A sneaky operation. Freeze frame. Apprehended? <laughs> no. I think not. <laughs> not quite. Suck face. <laughs> Same. <laughs> a load of lead as the, yeah, the banker, uh, you know. The guard. Yeah, who fires the, the gun at him and to no avail. Called the Batman. Commissioner Gordon on the uh, T-Light phone. He's on his way. You see the Batmobile? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> what? Well, there's some writing for you. <laughs> uh, the brass was stumped. As you know, there in the commissioner's office looking at the clues. Uh, but Batman wasn't. Because he's a great detective. He'd plant a story. As we see the fake newspaper. A pair of crooks and one's a doll. And one's an ectoll, actually. <laughs> or lovey, depending on how you're reading it. Batman sets a doll trap. We see the uh, the fake gem that he set for Zelda. And the doll was tempted. Breaking the fourth wall looking at us. Yeah, that's so weird. <laughs> trap looked tasty, is our narrator. Is there, is there, but the doll turned the tables and snatched Aunt Harriet. Oh no, Aunt Harriet. Nobody's going to eat your pot roast now. Holy backfire. <laughs> $100,000 ransom or a hot tub for Aunt Harriet. As we see the uh, aforementioned death trap on Harriet, you know, hanging over the, the flaming oil, which is clearly not her. That's a much smaller woman. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. And Aunt Harriet would be roasted by now. Wait, the worst is yet to come. As we go into our credit sequence. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. It's a 
for all you piano aficionados out there. That's E E D sharp D sharp D D D sharp D sharp E E D sharp D sharp. Let's say yeah. A composer, uh, Neil Hefty, I think, did this theme. Um, more famous guy, uh, Nelson Riddle, is the one who does all the uh, the score and such. You know, he used to be a Frank Sinatra collaborator, but this little thing, I believe, is Hefty, who uh, is known for the the Odd Couple, actually, also. Like, dun, dun, oh yeah, dun, dun, dun. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be listening for that now. So, well, I don't think it's in this show. <laughs> uh, executive producer William Dozier. So, you know, back to our episode. With uh, outside the Gotham City Police Department, a death worse than fate. And alas, we know it's not Dr. Fate. Yeah, special <laughs> guest villainess Anne Baxter as Zelda by Lorenzo Simple, the writer. Right. So, nothing happening, just establishing shots. And now we're inside headquarters as uh, Commissioner Gordon is uh, rather annoyed that, uh, that Bruce Wayne hasn't showed up. He's there with Robin. Um, but I guess they're waiting for Bruce Wayne to appear and contact the criminal or else. No Harrow's on the phone. Uh, poor, unfortunate Mrs. Cooper. It's always the pawns that get the worst of these games. Oh, he's probably expecting her to die. It's yeah. like he hasn't met Batman. <laughs> <laughs> so, what do we got? That's the last of them, says O'Hara. Every rich man's club in any place in Gotham, so they're trying to track down Bruce Wayne. He's in the, these millionaires. Wait. Gadabouts. Gadabouts. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Mr. Wayne's on some yacht eating sherbet and changing his clothes. <laughs> That's not true, jumps in Robin. <laughs> Why are you jumping at me, boy wonder? <laughs> Look at that posture. Yeah, don't give it away there, Robin. Yeah, they, they think you're the boy wonder. The commissioner says, we understand. Robin's under strain. He can imagine himself in the position of Dick Grayson <laughs> with his kidnapped aunt. How the commissioner's grabbing him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, and they can't contact Gr Dick Grayson. Right, but of course. He, oddly. <laughs> oh, they're waiting, waiting, waiting. Oh, and here comes Bruce Wayne, all decked out to the nines in his tailored suit. So... We talked a little bit last episode about, um, you know, Adam West and his, his acting style or whatever. Um, this shot here reminds me, you know, in, in this nice tailored suit, the reason they uh, first even called him for a screen test is they had seen him on a, um, a Nestle's Quick commercial, believe it or not. Really? It was, yeah, yeah. They, uh, he, he was playing a sort of like Bond-esque character, you know, sort of, it, it was like Captain Q or whatever. He was going to defeat the bad guy that was like stealing Nestle's quick. And the sort of panache that he had in that role, that sort of Bond-esque thing, they're like, you know, he'd be perfect for Bruce Wayne. And they brought him in for the, uh, you know, the screen test and, you know, and sure enough, he's got that sort of suave debonair thing. And actually, in real life, they, um, they asked him at one point if he wanted to be James Bond. You know, uh, he was short. Really? Yeah, yeah. After George Lazenby, after Connery had already left, and then uh, you know that that guy who did the one movie there on yeah. Her Majesty's Secret Service, Adam West was you know the next guy they approached, and, and he turned it down. He said he didn't think it was right that an American should play it. So, oh wow! Yeah, yeah. And then that's where we got Roger Moore. You know, he may have had a point there because he could have changed the whole course of Bond. That's true. All right, so we see what the commissioner has up. He's holding a press conference, uh, basically putting out a, a plea to the, to the criminals who's kidnapped, you know, Aunt Harriet. And he's interrupted a Western to do this. Yeah. So he's getting the phone number, and Zelda's watching it. Um, yeah. So they're, they're swearing that there's no trace if the kidnapper calls in. The only interest they have is the safe return of Aunt Harriet. We give so she, she looks suspicious, but she's dialing. She's dialing in, right. 
So, correct criminals, we don't wish to undermine what little faith you have in organized society. <laughs> you really know how to make them comfortable. So, <laughs> so Zelda's oh. disguising the phone or wrapping it in a, you know, a sheet of diaphanous orange cloth. <laughs> <laughs> I would have just called it silk, but... It was... yeah. So we see, Aunt, you know, the fake Aunt Harriet there, you know, still Bicycling her feet. <laughs> she really should be barbecued. Yeah. So, oh, and she's oh, they say, oh, also she's in a straight jacket over a fatal pool of boiling oil. You devil, says Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Not at all disguised. You know, that's the other thing. He never disguises his voice. Like Batman and Bruce Wayne have the same exact weird, you know, uh, oh, yeah. addiction. <laughs> oh, that's true. So now, you know. Boy Ro wonder. Yeah, Robin is, is pleading, you know, please. Yeah, he's he's pleading. He's not actually yelling. He's upset, but um... so now the boy, Commissioner Gordon says, "Boy wonders about to make a uh, dramatic confession. The story in the paper about the bank money being counterfeit was false." What says uh, Zelda? It was a ruse, a trick of Batman's to make you try again. The money you stole last night is real. And Zelda's eyes are like. All wide. Yeah, I already have the money. Yeah, she's why am I going through all this nonsense? Yeah, and then she has a letter, a notarized letter. <laughs> a notarized letter from the background. This morning's headline was entirely untrue, is all the note says from the uh, publisher <laughs> of the newspaper. So, and then Bruce Wayne is adding his assurance that as the director of the First National Bank, um, let me tell you that the money in your possession is 100% bona fide. I did not realize that Bruce Wayne was a bank director. <laughs> like, well, he does everything. Yeah, like in the comics, he heads up like the the Wayne Foundation. But I mean, yeah, I didn't know he was a bank president. So you already have your filthy lucre, <laughs> says the boy wonder. Lucre <laughs> for your own safe uh, or for your own safety, just uh, release Mrs. Cooper. Oh God! C come on, crook! You can't be all he that bad. Stop. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Yeah, the the guy um, just will interject here, you know, because it's a you know focused on a Robin performance. The um, the guy who plays as a you know Burt Ward, he actually wasn't really a, a huge actor, you know, growing up or whatever. He did in small roles, but he was basically he was working for his dad's real estate company. When, really? Yeah, when he heard about this, and he's like, you know, and he was always a fan of comics. He loved like Superboy and stuff like that. So he went in for the reading, and uh, and I guess what impressed them is you know both his you know gosh golly gee attitude or whatever but then also the fact that uh, he was a i believe a taekwondo uh, expert like yeah i think he was a black belt in taekwondo really? so he could do a backflip oh. well know? yeah well not to mention he could probably actually do the throws that we see him do yeah that's true true yeah exactly although when we you and i have seen before the crossover with the the green hornet with kato played by bruce yeah. lee and that's where he falls apart a little bit like you know you might know taekwondo but you're not going up against bruce lee <laughs> So, uh, so anyway, back to our show, we see Zelda has indeed dropped Aunt Harriet off on a corner. You know, she's all disheveled. Are you all right? You're the kidnap victim. Yes, somebody please call a policeman, says Aunt oh, Harriet. Oh, poor Aunt Harriet. Yeah, she's been... It's okay now. Oh, but look, she's only worried that her relatives must be worried. <laughs> and probably burned a pot roast. <laughs> so we cut back to... Stately Wayne Manor. Stately Wayne Manor, indeed. Uh, Alfred. Alfred, is she all right? Oh no, and the doctor also. It's coming yeah, down. coming down the stairs, probably checking on Aunt Harriet. Right. <laughs> a real fight to make her accept sedation. <laughs> uh, she's an old lady. It... <laughs> so she's doing well, uh, but she was put out by a, a harmless drug. But potent. But potent. <laughs> yes. So, all right. so they dismiss the doctor and. Uh, 
And then, you know, Bruce makes a feint toward Robin. You know, I suppose you'd be looking for, quote unquote, Batman. That's right, Mr. Wayne. All right, now we're in the clear. The doctor's gone. Yeah. You don't have to <laughs> say that. <laughs> Alfred looks disturbed because he can't help feeling that this whole episode is his fault. Your fault. How? <laughs> <laughs> Had I, hadn't I been dusting the Batcave when that uh, false phone call? Good heavens, perish the thought, Alfred. You're performing your proper duty. And Alfred said, that's not entirely true. Uh, ordinarily, on Wednesday evenings, he tends to the Batcave, but uh, unfortunately, he's addicted to a certain television program. Is it Batman? Wink, wink, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Metatextual comment. So, let's see. But they're like, you know, uh, if it hadn't been for Aunt Harriet's mishap, we wouldn't have been able to deduce the criminal's identity. Robin's surprised. What? You know? I was like, but he's I thought... He's a great detective. I found the clue as he hands Bruce a book of matches from the Gnome bookstore. Now, why would a bookstore have matches? Yeah, good point. <laughs> <laughs> like, you think those are two things that don't go together yeah. at all. <laughs> so, let's see. And Alfred hopes that it might indicate the whereabouts of the felon. Nice thinking, Alfred. Darn nice thinking. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> to the bat poles. To the labeled bat poles. Although what happens if Robin's already in costume? What happens if a, an already costumed person goes down a bat pole? I don't know. Oh. Or what if they actually switch poles? Yeah. <laughs> so once again, we see our stock footage as they're jumping in the um, Batmobile. This is now the third time we've seen this exact sequence. <laughs> yep. And there they go outside of the Batcave. With the speeded up footage. And off to Gossens. Zoom! Did we see the 14 mile sign? I didn't no. see it that no, time. No, no, we cut the commercial. And back. That, I think, is Times Square. Oh, they're, yeah. Okay, well, they're driving down the street. Yes, which is clearly New York City. <laughs> We're seeing very, like, uh, you know, period marquees. Um, Batman looking very serious, rather grim. So let's see. They're going down to the gnome books. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm just looking at the movies as we're going by. El Cid yep. is playing. That's another Charlton Heston movie we saw. The, I can't read that. The sky above the sea Something below, below, perhaps. I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, Ad for Admiral Television of Boys Night Out. What else we got? Uh, oh, The Miracle Worker. The uh, Helen Keller story. And Lolita. Lolita, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, very uh, sort of early 1960s films. All right, so anyway. They, back on the uh, set, we have know, the gnome bookstore. Right, we arrive back at this uh, occult bookstore where we see, you know, Avil Ekdahl's, you know, death trap. And there is Zelda. <laughs> Sauntering over. Legal tender after all. They're, they're pleased they got their, their hundred grand. He's pleased he's paid. That's right. So now tell me. Tell the, me the trick. The secret of the doom trap. How do I get out? So Evil's like, you haven't guessed yet? Even after the hint I gave you? There's no way to escape. True. Even I, Evil Ekdal, with all my twisted Albanian genius, wow. <laughs> cannot devise <laughs> the answer. And Oh, and so that's where Batman comes in. Uh, what they want to do, I guess, is you know bring him in, trap him in the thing, and then see how he gets out. It's, you know, dude. He's probably going to use something from his bat belt. I, I know, but I mean, like, you know, like, don't design something like that. If, like, I know. Like, what would you make? Like, a, did you make a box yeah, I mean, that you can't get out of? If I was Zelda, I would be like, you know, I'm not giving you the underground. <laughs> yeah, you, back to the drawing board. So, and then he's saying uh, in his country, he's got an old saying, dead men tell no tales, which I think is not merely Albanian. Yeah, <laughs> I think we all know that one. 
also coming in. We got uh, two henchmen, I guess, you know, who are assuring that Batman's not going to get out of this correctly. A um, little hard to see, but see the dude on the left? Yeah. The henchman? Uh-huh. Do you have any idea who that might be? No. That is an actor, Victor French, who, imagine him with a beard. Hold on, wait until he comes back up again. Um... Uh... No. no. What's he from? He's um, he's Mr. Ol- uh, not Mr. Olson. What is it? Mr. Edwards from Little House, and then but also Michael Landon's partner on the uh, really yeah was a Highway to Heaven. Oh my god! Yeah, I yeah. used to watch that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's like you wouldn't notice him without the beard, but it's totally him. Oh my gosh! So all right, so yeah, so Zelda is protesting. Apparently, she doesn't want Batman to die, um, but you know, evil Batman's like, very handsome, giving her the strong arm. You know, so. Let's see. Oh, and she says uh, she suspected he was up to something, so she's the one that planted the clue, the uh, the book of matches in, on Ontario. Yeah, so Batman's probably already on his way. So, so oh yeah, see him? Yeah, you can see him now. That's cool, right? Oh my god, yeah. I mean, you you put some weight on him and like age him like, like what fifty years? <laughs> well, no, fifty, 50. <laughs> like twenty years. So, all right, so Aval is telling his uh, his henchmen, you know, including Victor French, that he wants him to get inside these, uh, uh, you know, fake sarcophagi, you know, with little peepholes or whatever. And then Maybe when... it's a sarcophagal. <laughs> <laughs> when he gives the uh, the signal, they're going to be, you know, blasting Batman with their Tommy guns. Okay, so this peephole, it's not up by their eyes. It's where their guns come out. So I don't know how they're going to know when to fire. Maybe there's another peephole up by the mouth or something. Oh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> So we see Batman and Robin leaving Times Square and arriving at the uh, the Gnome Bookstore. Uh, what is it? A cocktail joint yeah, right next door. Right it's next door. Pretty swanky. I'm in. So specializing in occult and arcane work. And death traps. <laughs> <laughs> so the door's not even locked. Our dynamic duo comes in. What a like what a strange lobby of a bookstore. Like you walk in and there's a bookshelf like right in your face. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like not very welcoming. Right. So Eval and Zelda are in the back room and they're lowering the lights. And it looks like they're hiding. Yeah, they're sneaking behind the curtain to uh, <laughs> another to, back room. To a yeah, secret back room um, where uh, apparently they have two periscopes. Does that make them Parasky? <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're observing the uh, dynamic go through the periscopes, which have like those old submarine hash lines. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's great. So they found a note the dynamic duo has to whom it may concern. Um, you know, look for this interesting volume on the top shelf, and they're being observed by Zelda and Ekdal through these periscopes. Although, and these fantastic periscopes are following them as they're going through the bookstore. Well, not only that though, but they're on the same level. Like they just walked to another room uh-huh. and then raised a periscope to look out directly. This is some really fierce technology we're looking at here. So the boy wonder grabs that volume, which apparently activates a <laughs> concealed switch as we see a, you know, a, um, a bookshelf slide back and now we're in the back room. Looks like storage. With uh, Oh, look, it's Zatanna and Zatara's top hats. <laughs> awesome. I didn't realize they were in this, but... Yeah. Uh... And a bunch of other, uh, you know, magic paraphernalia. Uh, what else we got? The light comes up on the stage. Yeah, and we there's see the, the death trap. The death trap. A Sorry. play without actors. This script could be for us. Only one way to find out. Let's get in the limelight. So, our dynamic duo approaches. 
the death trap. And we can see there's a, a bat hanging inside of it. I think it's a clue. A <laughs> clue. So both of them I go in. I think it means something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and as the light goes on, the, the bat actually is merely a skeletal bat. It's a, apparently a... Uh, oh, by the way, we're still followed by the, t the periscopes. Right, which is now inside the death trap. It's, it's a very uh, high-tech periscope. And they are locked in the room now. Right. Ekdal's throwing the switch. They're locked in. Seems such a waste, says Zelda. Such a handsome creature. Shut up, says Ekdal. <laughs> <laughs> Can, oh my god, can I help being a woman? Ugh. Probably. We have the technology. <laughs> so, they're turning on secret speakers inside the death trap. It's a doom trap. Boy Wonder says Ekdal to them through a speaker. Welcome to my greatest achievement, the inescapable doom trap, which I think... I. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure that was the name of the story, Batman's Inescapable Doom Trap, from the actual comic or whatever. Oh, okay. So, all right. So, Pipe down, Robin. Yeah, we yeah. have to humor him. Robin was angrily <laughs> talking to Ekdal, but no, Batman's you know, trying to play along. Ekdal's insisting that he try to escape. He's trying to do it. So he goes for his utility belt. See? But, uh, oh, it's not going to work. Yep, yeah, his Jet Age plastics are impervious to your tools. Oh, no. I thought for sure that would be it. So, what happens if they can't escape? Well, then we got to go back to the drawing board, <laughs> says Ekdal. So. She angrily lowers her periscope and then lifts it back up so she can see inside the death trap again. Right. So, I'm wasting time, says Ekdal. Look down at your feet. As they look down and a deadly colored gas starts pouring out. <laughs> they gotta remove the grill from which the gas is coming, but uh, they get zapped by the electricity that we've oh, right. previously seen. Yeah, Zelda. Holy graveyard, Batman. Just give me <laughs> curtains. <laughs> we could be dead soon. So, yes, keeps coming. Lighter than air. A few more life-saving seconds. So, what a noble struggle. Zelda clearly admires this pair. You can see the... Uh, the heaving of her chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gasping her breath. So, let's see. If we could electrify it, we can, says Batman. High voltage grill. Metal buckets... Or metal buckles of our... Oh, buckets. it is going to be the belt. Right. Are they shielding themselves? Yeah, well, with so, the... yeah what they're going to do, I think, is they're going to use the electricity in uh, their belts as a conduit to explode the gas. And, indeed, and so they have... Right. Blown the and they right leap off. out. <laughs> right into the machine gun fire of our, you know, um, sarcophagi, which they duck and, oh my God, and the crossfire uh, hits each other. <laughs> and that is the end of Mr. Edwards. <laughs> and the sarcophagi both fell over and you could actually see the ropes that pulled them over. Yeah. On I don't, I, you watch the show more than I do. On Highway yeah. to Heaven, was uh, was that dude a uh, an angel or was it just my No, he was angel? just a companion. Oh, I was going to suggest that that's where he died and became an angel. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Ekdal and Zelda come running out, but, uh, you know, Batman hits him with a batarang and, and knocks him out. Things are still falling around him, oddly. But where's Zelda? Holy crossfire, Batman. Hoist on their own murderous petards. A couple of mummies. Let's taketh them to the morgue, says Batman. <laughs> <laughs> but where's Zelda in all this? Here she is. There she is, in stunning orange. 
with the glycerin tears. Her glycerin tears. Robin suspects. No, Robin. I think not. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Batman comes up and you know wipes her tears and and smells them, <laughs> and and determines that no, she, uh, you know, is is honestly sad about this whole situation. She offers her hands. To the gallant Batman. <laughs> Who pulls out a pair of bat cuffs from his utility <laughs> belt, clearly labeled. I hope they have little bat ears on the bat cuffs. And, uh, she is shackled. You know, some other lifetime Batman, she says, staring into his uh, hypnotic gaze. Perhaps some other lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> she gives a meaningful stare. We cut to commercial. And then resume sometime later at the Gotham State Penitentiary, the uh, female. female division. Yeah. <laughs> Can she help it that she's a woman? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see uh, Zelda being led down the hallway by a guard in uh, a very sort of form-fitting, you know, uh, black and white striped prison pajamas, it looks like. And with kitten heels. Yeah, it's a pair of heels. Striped kitten heels. The, uh, the female division is... Uh, caters to the fashion needs of, of their yeah there's a little pillbox hat and everything so, she's and, and cute as button bruce wayne is uh you know saying that uh he's proud of her you know she saved the the life of you know the boy wonder and batman you know not too many criminals would do that and he thinks that she's earned a new chance uh, the wayne foundation told you see of which mm -hmm. he's the head uh, maintains a number of children's hospitals and he's offering her a position as a resident lady magician when her term is up. And not just any position, but a resident lady magician. <laughs> lady magician. <laughs> <laughs> so and she gladly accepts the offer. Um, so she says, wait. Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, she's just pulled a, a beautiful rose out of... The side of his head, out of his ear, Look at her manicured, very manicured nails. And her perfectly coiffed hair, as well as her makeup. <laughs> yes, she looks stunning so, in her prison stripes. She's asking that uh, that Bruce Wayne deliver this magically produced rose to Batman the next time he sees her. Look at that, Look at that walk! That was a little caboose. She's <laughs> sassy! Swagger. Swagger. <laughs> so, and, and Bruce, you know, puts the rose in his lapel... Thinking of another lifetime, perhaps. And smiles, walking away. And so, next time, the Batman versus the Joker. You see Cesar Romero with a badly uh, <laughs> covered Did he have mustache. A mustache. Yeah, I was gonna say like Cesar Romero. Um, you know, was an established actor. You know, very sort of proud of his, uh, um, you know, facial hair. And so, you know, wanted to be the Joker, but he's like, I'm not going to shave this. So it's like, ah, eh, we'll just put the grease paint on over it. <laughs> so, wow. Oh my god. I never noticed it as a kid. I definitely saw him too. So yeah, music Nelson Riddle, and there we go. Yeah, theme by uh, Neil Hefty. Uh huh. There you go. So, so yes, that is our exciting conclusion. Let me go ahead and uh, close this down. And I think we are going to hold off uh, our judgment till the end of the show when you normally do the uh, you know the ratings on the stories. We'll just do the uh, the Batman episode at that point. Okay, sounds good. Um, but then, unfortunately, uh, that means we are in the second half of the show, um, the story that we have slotted for tonight. And, uh, you know, per our last episode, that is what? The dreaded Eclipso. <laughs> yes, another Eclipso. Um, as we had said uh, last time around, you know, um, House of Secrets, you know, the um, 
the magazine, you know, where he was appearing with Raw Man, um, had begun, you know, spiraling down as far as sales. You know, they were trying every trick in the book to try to keep this thing afloat. Um, you know, we'd seen the the team up, you know, with uh, with Raw Man uh, last issue, and uh, there's actually going to be a second one of those or whatever. But uh, but the writing was on the wall. It's it's not going to last too much longer. Um, but in the midst of that, like I say, you know, uh, obviously Batman, you know, as we would have just seen was huge in 1966, so as a last-ditch effort, they're like, hey, well, let's go ahead and do a team-up with Batman. You know, if that's not going to save Eclipso, you know, nothing is. Right. Um, and so the magazine that they, uh, you know, would do that team-up in was a magazine called uh, The Brave and the Bold, uh, which we've mentioned a few times here on the show. Uh, the Brave and the Bold was uh, one of the older titles from the, the DC uh, Silver Age. Uh, it had actually um, first debuted back in 1955, uh, you know, pre that whole like superhero boom. Um, initially, they would run sort of like historical adventure type characters, like um, you know they they did uh, like like adaptations of like Robin Hood, for instance, or um, they had a couple you know uh, characters of their own, uh, the Silent Knight, you know, sort of a, a medieval guy who uh, who didn't speak, which <laughs> and uh-huh. to protect his secret identity, which is strange because oh, wow. like every other superhero, you know, like. Has spoken. Has spoken. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Viking Prince, um, who I think at some point, I think when we get into like uh, sword and sorcery here on this show, uh, we'll probably loop back around and touch on Viking Prince. And I think you would actually really like him. He's sort of like a, a Norse hero. You know, I know you have a... Is he Icelandic? No, he's not Icelandic. I think he's, he might be Nor- oh. Norwegian or something. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so they, they did that for a couple years, like I say. Um, but then... Uh, but then, you know, um, at the dawn of the Silver Age, when superheroes really started getting, you know, more popular, uh, they sort of converted it uh, to be something more closely aligned to, like, uh, Showcase. You know, how I mentioned that, like, yep. um, you know, Flash and, and Green Lantern had, had their revival there. Uh, Brave and the Bold, around issue 25, started doing that as well. Uh, I think I had mentioned that uh, JLA had first appeared there. Um, and then uh, Hawkman, also the Silver Age Hawkman, mm-hmm. first appeared there. Um, concept called the uh, the Suicide Squad, which um, you've probably seen the, the commercials for the movie coming up. Yeah, 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 but it's not that. So that is the sort of modern Suicide Squad with all those like you know super villains or whatever. Um, back in the day, Suicide Squad was uh, like almost a, a military unit. Uh, as a matter of fact, we had watched um, New Frontier. And um, do you remember when Hal Jordan was uh, doing his, his training there, like before he became Green Lantern? There was that colonel who was like testing him, putting him in the, you know, the sort of space module thing and doing all those tests. Yes. That uh, So that guy was uh, Colonel Rick Flagg. Uh-huh. And he is from that series. He is the, the head of the old Suicide Squad. Nice. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that was also from Raven the Bold. Um, and like I say, you know, they did that, you know, sort of rotating around, you know, through these different features for a few years. Um, but then in uh, issue 50, um, in October of 1963, uh, they converted it, you know, to sort of a novel concept for the time, but something that was really, you know, sort of catching fire, uh, the whole idea of team-ups. Um, I would mentioned before, you know, on the Marvel side, they sort of had a more integrated universe, you know, yes. like where all these heroes would meet each other. Well, DC, I think, you know, was beginning to like dip their toe into, into that, you know, arena as well. Um, and so, like I say, from issue 50, they would then pick two characters, you know, for that their universe and say, well, here's a story of so-and-so and so-and-so. Like, I think the, the first one was like uh, Green Arrow and Martian Manhunter. But then you'd have like Flash and Adam and just like two different right. heroes or okay. whatever, like in a shared story. And that, you know, was also a sort of like universe building device. Um, one of the important ones from there was actually from uh, issue number 54. Um, they, uh, 
I've, I've said the name Teen Titans before. Yes. Um, well, before there even was such a thing as Teen Titans, the first sort of meeting of those heroes who would become it was in Brave and the Bold. It was a team up of uh, Robin, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with a Kid Flash who you haven't you haven't met yet, but no. basically he's like the Junior Flash. He's, I think he's like Flash's girlfriend's nephew. I want to say he gets a similar accident. Okay. And then uh, and then Aqualad, which you know, what? I know, right? See, like you're a huge Aquaman <laughs> fan, you know, from the cartoons or whatever. But I don't think you've ever seen him. He was basically like um, an Atlantean orphan that uh, yeah oh. that that uh, Aquaman took under his wing, and they sort of like partnered up. Anyway, these three you know junior heroes uh, teamed up in Brave of the Bold, and then that concept you know they sort of expanded out into what would become you know the, the Teen Titans. Uh-huh. Um, Starman and Black Canary, that story read with the mist, um, uh-huh. that was from Brave and the Bold. And actually, we we actually still have that second one. We're, we're going to read with those two as well uh, offline. Where I told you they were uh, going up against that male and female um, crime duo there, uh-huh. the Hunters yeah, yeah. and the Sportsmasters. So, yeah, we'll take a look at that before too long. Um, so, yeah, so these team-ups went on for a while. Um, around about, you know, the same time as the whole Batmania thing, um, they began mostly doing Batman team-ups. Obviously, you know, that was the thing that was right, going to sell. Right, so popular. Yeah, yeah. They, they started doing it. Actually, with the issue we're going to take a look at tonight, uh, number 64 from uh, February 1966, um, that was sort of the, the shift, you know, toward exclusively Batman team-ups. I think there was a handful of other ones in there, but by uh, issue 74 um, from October of 67, uh, it became exclusively Batman, you know, through, uh-huh. through the end of that title. Um, mostly written by Bob Haney, I want to say, um, at least, you know, through the era that we're going to be looking at, uh, you know, I remember as a kid, you know, they're, they're all Bob Haney stories. Um, and as a result, very, very wacky. And like I say, you know, readers even used to write in and go like, why is this happening? Like you just teamed up Batman with like Sergeant Rock in World War II, but it's like, it's 1960. So how old would Batman have been? And Bob Haney's like, always like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, or like, you know, wait, you're teaming up Batman with Black Canary. Well, how did he get to Earth 2? Ah, don't worry about it. So there's so much so that they actually, uh, I, I don't know if it happened in the Brave and the Bold letter column, but I recall um, somebody at least speculated that all these stories actually happen on a place called Earth B, What's for, that? For Bob Haney. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and the story we're looking at tonight is firmly in the, the Haney camp. This is uh, Batman versus Eclipso, uh, like I said, from Brave and the Bold number 64 from February 1966. Um, the, uh, the pencils and inks in this story are by uh, an artist we've met before, Wynn Mortimer. He was the guy who did uh, Stanley and his monster. Um, so it's actually kind of neat to see him on some like superhero stuff. Yeah, see how he does. Yeah, uh, letters by Stan Starkman. The uh, the cover on this one, actually, believe it or not, is Gil Kane, um, both doing pencils and inks, and oh, then okay. uh, letters by Irish Snap. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look at that cover right now. All right. So what we see here um, is uh, oh, and we're going to get to this at the very top there. You're the gonna checkers. See, yeah, the, the sort of like black and white, you know, sort of racing stripe across the top. That's what uh, in DC they call uh, go-go checks. And uh, we'll get into a little bit of discussion about that. But basically, you remember how we were going on about, uh, you know, all the purple in early Silver Age stories? Right. Uh, well, this is another sort of marketing gimmick. And we'll, we'll talk about this at the end of the, uh, the issue. Um, but yeah, so we see uh, Brave and the Bold presents Batman versus Eclipso, hero and villain in one man. Warning! You know, warns our cover. DC's Demon of Darkness is out to destroy the caped crime fighter. See what happens if he succeeds. As we see, you know, Batman adhered to the side of a building with sort of like, you know, those industrial suction cups as, uh, you know, Eclipso's, yeah, backups, <laughs> as Eclipso's, you know, balanced on, you know, what looks to be, uh, you know, sort of construction crane, I guess, on the side, you know, blasting Batman with his uh, 
black diamond. So let's turn and this. he's in purple. Oh, he's in purple. So, you know, obviously they're, they're trying anything to sell an Eclipso magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go ahead and uh, open this one up here. All right. So we begin on a full page splash as we see, you know, the Cape Crusader sort of, you know, splayed out there on a table before a, a gloating Eclipso. He's uh, flanked apparently by a, a little bee woman, you know, maybe John Belushi's sister or something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, our narration reads... We've matched them all, DC's heroes from A to Super, <laughs> teaming them up to battle baddies of every ilk. But get set for the big switch as we present two costumed caperers battling each other. The one and only Batman, tangling with the devilish, dastardly Eclipso. Need we say more? No, but we will. It's the most. <laughs> yes, this is written by Snapper Car. I think so. <laughs> so, let's uh, turn the page. As, uh, as we begin our story at night. When the naked city becomes a hunting ground, where the stronger stalks the weak, where the law of justice is challenged by the law of the jungle. As indeed we see a, a man down at the, the docks, you know, firing a bow and arrow, apparently at a damsel in distress. No, she cries, as an arrow flies swift and silent. Who's to see it in the night? asks our narration. No one except the Batman. As uh, we see Batman atop the uh, sort of pier there, uh, looping this arrow with... What looks to be like a... Uh, a lasso. Uh, yeah, a hemp rope. <laughs> okay, William Tell, says Batman. Give me that bow. She's fainting, says Batman, you know, distracted for a moment as the uh, the damsel, you know, falls to the ground. Uh, so as the Cape Crusader leaps to catch the girl uh, before the black waters can claim her, the assassin we saw escapes into the inky shadows. Uh, so as Batman nabs her, he looks at her face and says, Marsha, darling! Oh, Batman, oh, lover, says this, uh, this redhead, you know, apparently no longer fading. What's this? Is <laughs> our narration. It's a <laughs> guy from the TV show. Uh, old cape and cowl <laughs> saves a gorgeous chick, and they melt into an embrace. There are millions of stories in the naked city, but like this one, you never heard. Oh, Batman, she says, you know, smooching up on him. It's been so long, so long since these strong arms held me. Marsha, says Batman in, you know, soap operatic tones. I can hardly believe it's you. Why was that bow buzzard trying to ventilate your beautiful torso? This is the reason, Batman, she says, you know, pulling out a uh, little jewelry box and then opening it to reveal a, a sort of like, you know, cat head jewel. The cat emerald, asked Batman. The police of seven continents have been looking for that chunk of green fire ever since it was filched from the municipal museum. Marsha, you... No, I didn't take it, says Marsha, but someone I love did. Nicky Jarvis. I was engaged to him. He was proud and didn't want to live off my wealth. And he knew, too, that you were the man whom I most admired, who had been my greatest love. To get rich and prove that he was your equal, Nicky stole the Cat Emerald. That sent Cyclops, the International Crime Syndicate, after him. And they destroyed him, as they destroy anyone who stands in their way. As, uh, you know, we sort of see a flashback to Marsha and Nicky, you know, apparently in a convertible. Only your great driving eluded those Cyclops killers, baby. But I'm done for. Stray slug. Promise me, put the emerald back, keep my name clear, make up for what I tried to do. Don't forget, don't forget, Nikki, baby. Oh, Nikki, says Marsha in this flashback. <laughs> this is a, like, you know, I know this is a Haney story, but dude, we are two pages in and already this is ludicrous. Like, A, Batman is this woman's previous love, so yeah. she was in love with a dude whose, like, you know, identity she didn't even know. 
B, the whole idea that this Nikki wants to prove himself to her by competing with Batman. And then all of a sudden we have an international crime syndicate, you know, basically like, you know, Spectre from Bond or whatever, yeah. you know, after this chick. But uh, and we are on page three. <laughs> Weird so, already. Yeah. So, uh, so as her flashback ends, you know, we're back in present day. She's saying that assassin was trying to get the emerald from me. How lucky it was that you saved me because only you can help me now, Batman. Help you, Marsha, asked Batman. How? Nikki's last wish was that the emerald be replaced in the museum, secretly, as if it had never been stolen. I can't do it. Since the theft, the museum's gotten even more heavily protected with warning devices. But you could, darling. You could do it. You mean you want me to return a stolen gem, says Batman, worth a king's ransom? Do you know what you're asking, Marsha? Yes, darling. I'm asking the bravest, strongest man in the world to help a girl who still loves him, she says, you know, take him into an embrace. So... As warm lips press the grim mouth of the masked manhunter, he remembers another time, another place. As now, you know, Batman goes in a flashback. And, uh, you know, apparently we must see years ago, Marsha on top of a, a bridge, you know, clearly drunk out of her mind, so dancing up there. London Bridge is falling down, falling down, la-dee-da, she says. Wow. <laughs> Can't get close <laughs> enough to grab that crazy playgirl, says, you know, someone trying to grab her. Come down, Miss Monroe, you'll kill yourself. So the cops, you know, all gathered at the bottom of the bridge. When uh, suddenly, you know, we look up and we see the Batcopter. Why, looky, she says, it's the great Batman. Check, Miss Monroe. Come down off there and stop endangering the lives of these officers. It's all just a lark to you. Ah, skip the square lecture, Batman. No one tells Marshall Monroe what to do, she says, you know, trying to squirm away from him. Uh, but he grabs her around the waist. Your money and influence don't impress me, honey. Gotcha. Honey, that must be a Bob Haney thing. <laughs> Mona Honey and yeah. now Marsha Honey. Marsha Honey. So Batman grabs her and then, oh my God, setting her wow. across his knees says, now here's something I should have done a long time ago as he uh, starts spanking her in public. <laughs> and the uh, the press is right there. Oh boy, what a picture. Wow, what a scoop. Indeed. <laughs> Eek, put me down, you caped idiot. You custom creep. You, you ow. And, uh, and the next day, you know, in the mansion of idol playboy Bruce Wayne, uh, we see, you know, that that photo wound up on the front page. Batman humiliated famed playgirl. <laughs> Thanks, Bruce. Marsha won't forget this lesson so soon. Too bad she wastes her life. She's loaded with beauty and spirit. Well, I, Batman, that is, will hope to never see her again. Um, just a real quick thing. Uh, like, obviously, it's, you know completely ludicrous that Batman would be, you know, spanking a woman in public. But yes. that being said, there actually is precedent for this or whatever. He, um, really? yeah, uh, rather famously, um, in the, the very first appearance of uh, Catwoman, when, you know, back in like, you know, the, the forties or whatever, when, um, you know, he, he first, you know, grapples with her or whatever and captures her. She's like, let me go, let me go. And, you know, like I say, it's sort of like frequently clipped panel, you know, taken out of context or whatever. Batman says, quiet or Papa spank. Wow. <laughs> so, oh my God. Yeah, so Batman has a, <laughs> a, a history of, uh, of spanking <laughs> apparently. Um, so, uh, but anyway, back in, in our story, uh, apparently, you know, still in flashback here, we see the uh, the Cape Crusader prowling the concrete jungle known as Gotham City. And, uh, you know, see Batman on his, uh, you know, patrol, apparently beset upon by a, a gang of uh, street toughs. Ha ha! It's Betty by time, Batman! Says, uh, <laughs> you know, one dude going to the club him with a blackjack. Um, but before he does, we see it, you know, sort of explode into a, uh, you know, a cloud of, of uh, um, splinters. Yay! My Batman belters turned to toothpicks! Oof! Says the dude as, you know, Batman slugs him in the gut saying, Have a belt on me, chum! Uh, so as Batman swings around, you know, to see where the shot came from that, that hit the dude's weapon, who does he see but Marshall Monroe? You! Why? 
And, uh, you know, we see Marsha, very sort of Bond girl pose there. You know, she's like in her, uh, you know, floor length fur coat, you know, holding up a, a pistol, a smoking pistol. Yeah. Because I admired you, Batman. You're the first man I could ever look up to. I've been trailing you on your anti-crime rounds. You needed help, and I'm a crack pistol shot. Well, well, says Batman. Maybe I was wrong about you. But you better not make a habit of crime fighting. It's too dangerous for a girl. That's actually a title of a, 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 a like a popular comic blog. Too dangerous for a girl. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, why, Batman says Marcia, you can also be protective. I love that in the man. This ugh. This story is just it's, like. Yeah, it's, it's bad. <laughs> uh, so because a Batman would never sanction you know somebody using a firearm in right. crime fighting. Yeah, there, there's a lot long, the, wrong with this. Yeah. So let's just turn this page and see what <laughs> else is wrong. <laughs> So still in flashback, I guess we're seeing the whirlwind, you know, crime fighting love affair of the, you know, <laughs> Batman and Marsha. Because in the weeks that follow, you know, we see more crooks corralled by Batman with the help of Marsha Monroe. Who would have ever thought it? You know, says a cop. Yeah, they become inseparable. He sure reformed her, the lucky guy. Lucky guy was right, says our narration. For right around the corner, darling, says Marsha, you know, seated in the passenger side of the uh, Batmobile. Here I am so in love with you, and I don't even know who you really are. Sweetheart, says Batman, you'll know my secret identity the day you take my real name as my wife. You might have to fill out some paperwork before then, Batman. <laughs> but shortly afterwards, um, what's with Batman, says a passing cop. He must have gotten a Dear John letter from that gorgeous chick. As indeed, you know, Batman has a crumbled up piece of paper. And he's thinking, Marsha, she's broken our engagement, gone to Europe, gone back to her useless, selfish playgirl life. I guess the cure didn't take... But who has a cure for Batman's broken heart? <laughs> oh, oh, God. God. <laughs> so now, you know, the ending of the kid back in the present day, the ending of that kiss breaks a chain of bitter memory. Batman, darling, says Marsha, will you help me? Well, I'll put back the cat emerald, Marsha. I don't like the idea, but I'll do it for you, since the man who took it is dead and beyond the reach of justice. Uh, so the following night, in the great silent hall of Gotham City's Municipal Museum, uh, we see, you know, Batman coming into a, uh, a little uh, air duct, I guess, you know, on the top, which uh, when we're looking around the mm. museum, there's actually a wax replica of Batman, you know, in the museum. So Batman leaps from the air duct, and, you know, apparently toward a uh, sort of biplane, you know, hanging from the ceiling. And uh, as he does so, he starts talking to himself, saying, <laughs> <laughs> Marcia said Nicky Jarvis, a former acrobat, used this method to take the cat emerald. I'll just use the same method to put it back. Oh, so he's, he's avoiding the probably electronic eye in the museum or whatever. Uh -huh. uh, there's the empty display case that held the emerald, says Batman. The slightest pressure against the case or on the floor, and a super sensitive alarm system goes off. Uh, so Batman, you know, climbs into the uh, the biplane and uh, using a fishing rod, apparently, l begins lowering the cat emerald. And he says, uh, the fishing rod Jarvis used still hidden in the cockpit. Now to put his catch back in its fishbowl and the crime of the decades wiped out. It's a good thing he must have known that the fishing rod was in there before he got in. Well, so Marsha told him, right, that this is how he did it. Uh, so gingerly, ever so slowly, the steely fingers that have thwarted a thousand criminal capers maneuver the dangling, glittering gem, you know, right into its little spot. Did it, says Batman. So, another few moments, and the masked marvel is gone, only to appear later as Bruce Wayne, wealthy playboy. In a while, says Bruce, you know, in his, his robe and ascot, <laughs> I'll rendezvous with Marcia as Batman again. It's so great to have her back. 
I've been lonely with Robin away on a Teen Titans mission. Well, there you go. See the title and Brave and the Bold. There it is. Yeah, funny. Nothing in the paper about the uh, emerald being replaced. Continued on the third page following. As before we get to that, though, you know, we got a two-page spread. Uh, one, we got a, you know, sort of public service announcement. But then on the facing page, your, your favorite, the uh, the modeling cat. <laughs> For some reason, you don't like that little guy, right? No, it's just, it's weird. Yeah. And then, but on the bottom of that page, you know, we have a, a half-page ad for Our Army at War. Um, I was never a big fan of, um, you know, war comics or whatever, but I do like some of the artwork in it. Um, Joe Kubert, who I've mentioned before, uh, was big, in, you know, he was an artist on uh, Sergeant Rock, you know, so that's pretty cool to see. And mm -hmm. then all these guys are basically like World War II guys. We also see Jeb Stewart, and he rides the haunted tank. It's actually haunted by a, a Civil War general that like gives him advice and stuff. Oh, neat. Uh, let's see, Johnny Cloud, the, uh, the Navajo ace, he's a pilot, uh, Marines, Gunner and Sarge, and their dog, Pooch. And then, um, and then this woman uh, we actually saw in uh, in the New Frontier. Um, she was a uh, an underground fighter with the French Resistance during World War II, and her name is uh, Mademoiselle Marie. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, in New Frontier, uh, it was post war or whatever, and apparently she was must be working for like the OSS or whatever. She was that berate woman. Remember when they were capturing Flash and they were shooting that sort of um, you know net over him and the, go yeah. the government agents? She was one of the government agents. Oh, okay. Tell by her telltale beret. Um, so that's a. Uh, Turn this page, and this is probably the best thing in this issue. Maybe we shouldn't don't turn the page. Let's, let's <laughs> take this in for a while. Oh no, we got to get back to Haney. So let's turn the page. Earth B. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on Earth B, a few hours later, uh, what gives? Says Batman. You know, pulling up in the Batmobile. Marsha hasn't shown up, and that's Commissioner Gordon with enough police to protect a visiting dictator. As uh, you know, Gordon and you know a bunch of squad cars pull up. Grab him, in, Shouts Gordon. You know, jumping out of the car. You flipped your badge, Commissioner? It's me, Batman, your humble, obedient servant and all-around crime stopper. <laughs> Cut the comedy, Batman, says Gordon. You're under arrest, and here's the reason why. As, uh, as Gordon produces a photo of you lifting the cat emerald. Pretty nifty how you did it. Every police brain in the world's been going daffy trying to figure it. What? what? Says Batman, looking at the photo. This is some screwball joke of yours, Gordon. I wasn't stealing that rock. I, I, w I was putting it back. <laughs> it's it's there now. Go see. Putting it back. Oh, that's great, Batman. Yeah, and they start laughing. Fabulous. Always with the jokes. Ha 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 ho ho ha ha. <laughs> the, the police crew. Uh, but the joke's over, old friend. I've just come from the museum, and the emerald's still missing. I don't know what turned you bad, Batman, but you're the thief. Take him, boys. But watch yourselves. He's dynamite. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Relax, old friend, says Batman. I wouldn't fight your men. I'm... I'm ready to go. Batman does a lot of stuttering in this, too. Like, I, 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 yeah. He's, he's very un-Batman-like in this. Very un-Batman-like. Uh, so, also un-Batman-like soon, you know, we see him weeping in a jail cell. <laughs> Marsha, baby, how could you do it to me? You set me up and I fell for the neatest, crummiest double-cross since Delilah Trim Samson. And then he clangs on the, the locked, you know, jail windows. But why would she want me out of the way in jail? I, what's that? And Batman turns to, to hear a noise, you know, from behind him. They're putting another prisoner in the next cell. Uh, hey, gorilla, I had myself picked up to give you your orders before you're released tomorrow. Listen. And, so, you know, Batman's listening at the wall. Frankie Malone and Gorilla Grimes, he thinks. Two really hardened operators. Mr. E arrives tomorrow night and meets the Queen Bee at the Hive to make lots of honey. 
Now that the bat guy has brought us the flower patch, <laughs> talking in weird mobster code, blue blazes, as Metamorpho would say. By the way, Metamorpho, another Bob Haney creation. <laughs> what Batman's overhearing through the cell wall? Hang on, keep punching, and you'll find out in part two, continued on the next page. So let's turn that page to part two of Batman versus Eclipso. Uh, so while Batman tries to decipher the cute code message Gorilla Grimes is getting, Let's dolly our camera eye to yet another part of the unclothed city. The unclothed city. <laughs> I guess he's trying not to say naked city. Yeah, well, exactly, right. Um, another new skyscraper, Sam. They sprout up like weeds, says the bystander. Yeah, Ed. Apis Enterprise. Never heard of it. Wonder what they do. Uh, so if you, like Ear, Ed, and Solid Sam, are wondering too, let's take an x-ray peek inside this seemingly innocent structure as we see a sort of, you know, cutaway of the skyscraper. These cutaways, um, very much a staple of uh, 1960s, you know, DC comics or whatever. You know, you'll see, like, the Fortress of Solitude or, like, you know, the, uh, not the back of it, like, Challenger's Mountain, like, where the Challenger of the Unknown are. And then you see everything going on inside the headquarters. It's actually kind of mm -hmm. cool a little bit. Um, so, oh, look, and everything's labeled in there. That's that's great. Yeah, well, right, for the our benefit. The top floor has the controls. Controls, and then second floor we see weapons. They got tanks and stuff, and then a firing range on floor, you know, third from the bottom. Uh, and then uh, crime, crime class. class. No, crime class number three. And uh, no, and a helicopter. Why do they got a helicopter so low? You'd think that would be up near the top, you know. But uh, apparently what we're looking at is the, the hive, the crime headquarters of the biggest, most deadly underworld setup ever conceived. Keep your eyes on this place. Hey, old buddy, says uh, either Ed or Sam, not sure which. Uh, we better head home. That solar eclipse is due to hit here real soon. <laughs> well, you can't be outside during a solar eclipse. <laughs> but uh, I think we don't want to be inside during a solar eclipse because that means we got to read about our, our character here. Um, because even now, as the solar eclipse, the universe's most awesome occurrence begins far off beneath the ruins of a lost dream called Solar City. Yeah. You see uh, a voice coming from the uh, window saying, Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Eclipse beginning, Mona, honey. <laughs> so, <laughs> inside that vast lab complex beneath the ruins, we see Dr. Bruce Gordon, young benefactor of humanity, uh, sitting strapped into a chair, as indeed, Dad, says Mona, emerging from Bruce's body, Eclipso. Don't worry about it, honey. See, even her dad calls her right? honey. Yeah, don't worry about it, Mona, honey. <laughs> I'm about to hit him with a high photon light burst and send him right back. As, uh, yeah, the eclipse is hitting and we see, you know, the ugly face of Eclipso rising out of Bruce Gordon. Uh, but suddenly, you know, before Simon Bennett is able to pull that switch, uh, you know, we see from the skylight a weird bee being crashing in. <laughs> <laughs> It's a Haney story. We see a man sort of like dressed up, you know, like in a bee costume with a jet pack on it. And uh, great stars, says Simon Bennett. He's cut the power cable. Without the lamps, we can't stop Eclipso. And it's lights out for you too, Professor, says, uh, you know, bee man slugging down Simon Bennett as, uh, you know, two of his you know, fellow cr bee cronies, you know, come in. Dad, no, Eclipso's loose. Oh, no. As, uh, you know, ugly Eclipso scurries away. As, uh, as Dr. Bruce Gordon slumps, you know, in his chair, oblivious to the fantastic attack. They're taking Eclipso with them, shouts Mona. As, uh, indeed, the bee men, you know, sort of grab Eclipso and, you know, begin soaring off to the sky. Farewell, my lovely. Ha ha ha. This is Eclipso. You're it's, evil. Uh, the bee men take him out. He's evil. What do you want? <laughs> <laughs> so, so shortly, you know, in Gotham City, in a top floor meeting room of the Apis Enterprises building, you know, we see uh, apparently the leader of the bee people, uh, 
Queen Bee, <laughs> so one of the mobs would say, Hey, Queen Bee, what's the pitch? Why'd you call us here? Silence, says Queen Bee. You're here to receive orders for Operation Sting, the complete criminal domination of Gotham City. Um, just real quick, uh, Queen Bee is normally a Justice League villainess. Like, she is like an alien woman from another planet, you know, who battles the JLA. Oh, okay. um, but this woman here is not that. She is not, she's not dressed in the same way, you know, this is not at all that, that, that same person. Um, so, like I say, Haney's probably just using that same name, you know, for a villain of his own creation. Okay, good, because I, I think I know who she is. You think you know who she is already? Yeah, yeah I think I do too. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, turn the page and see if our suspicions are uh, are correct. So, uh, so Queen Bee says, uh, with our greatest enemy, Batman, safely tucked in away in jail, and with this secret crime lair ready for action, nothing can stop us. And best of all, my co-leader in this operation will be none other than Mr. E. Mr. E, wowee, says one of the uh, the gangsters. But remember, says Queen Bee, all of our efforts will be watched and judged by Cyclops, the master international syndicate. If we fail, we pay the supreme penalty. Stand by, Mr. E is arriving. And apparently the uh, the symbol of Cyclops, as we see on the wall, is just a, a big eye. green eyeball. <laughs> so as the mystery woman, uh, who is Queen Bee, presses a button, you know, we see a little hatch slide back in the roof as, uh, you know, our B-men with Eclipso, you know, come through. It's him, Mr. E, says one of the gangsters. Eclipso, fantastic. How can we lose now? Uh, so now, as the Master of Darkness stands side by side with Queen Bee, one of those I summoned is missing, Gorilla Grimes. Until he arrives, we'll have a warm-up period to soften Gotham City's defenses. Here are your orders. How does Eclipso know about Gorilla Grimes? <laughs> no idea. So, so that night, you know, striking swiftly and silently, you know, we see a, a, a sort of bee crime wave. <laughs> Help, police, my jewels! <laughs> Those weird bee characters snatched every gem in sight. You know, say all these, you know, rooftop socialites, you know, at their little cocktail party. Mm. Uh, so, well, not far away. Yow! Some nut is busting open this moolah wagon with a crazy beam. Moolah wagon? <laughs> yes, says the driver of the moolah wagon. Uh. <laughs> Not a crazy beam, friend. Just pure energy projected through my black diamond. Not as, creepy at all. Yeah, as indeed we see, you know, Eclipso hitting the uh, the armored car, you know, with his uh, black diamond blast. Wham! As says the uh, the armored car, you know, splitting in half as the the moolah spills out. Uh, and still in another part of Gotham City, it's a Homer! Hooray! You know, as the the Gotham City. Bats, I don't know, <laughs> whatever the baseball team yeah. is, is playing. <laughs> it's a four-bagger for us, too, says some, uh, you know, uh, criminal. Queen Bee sure is sharp, knowing this vendor wagon was used to take the gate receipts to a nightly deposit vault, as they're they're robbing the ice cream man, but, well, you know, they're actually pulling out, you know, the uh, the gate receipts, you know, all the, all the dough from the, the front gate. Mm. Uh, so soon, in Commissioner Gordon's war room, you know, we see Gordon there flanked by his cops as he's looking at, you know, the big board all, all lighting up as, uh, you know, crime waves hitting the city. Calling all units, condition red, emergency, says one cop. Great day, says Commissioner Gordon. Crime's bursting out like measles. What's going on? Commissioner, says, uh, you know, maybe Chief O'Hara. One gang was led by, hold on to your cigar, sir, Eclipso. Oh, so, 
in a cell not too far off. You know, you see uh, the Batman listening up. You know, he's in jail. They didn't even bother to take off his mask. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm just kind of like um, chalking that up to it being Bob Haney. Yeah, or, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe they're granting him a professional courtesy, you know, since he was, you know, formally, you know, helping the cops or whatever. Maybe they're just like, ah, keep him in the holding cell with his mask on until later on. That's very generous of them. <laughs> I don't know how I got through booking. <laughs> so, yeah, I really had to take his fingerprints. Right. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, you know, we see Batman, you know, doing a little eavesdropping there uh, as, he, as he hears, Gotham City's fighting a fantastic crime wave. If only I could turn loose Batman to help, but I, I can't. That reminds me, Commissioner, we've got to release Gorilla Grimes. Too bad, but his time's up. So's mine, thinks Batman, but I'm going to make my own key. Since my old friend Commissioner Gordon took my utility belt, maybe I can improvise with this hotline. As, uh, you know, we see Batman sort of ripping out the, uh, the electrical cord for the overhead light. And uh, holding this electric cable across his cell bar windows, uh, Batman creates a short circuit with a, uh, a vazap. There, that's softening them enough for my asbestos gloves to get a grip on them. Really? The electric line is going to soften up the prison window? <laughs> I don't think that's true. Um, asbestos the... gloves? Well, I mean, sure. I mean, that that makes sense, you know, for Batman, I guess. During this time During period. that, right, exactly. Yeah, they didn't know it caused cancer. <laughs> whatever. Right. But, like, uh, you know, but more to the point, I'm saying that the fact that electricity is really going to have any effect on, you know, the uh, the lead bars of, yeah. of the window. Um, but, uh, but what we see is that the sinewy power of the all-time crime-fighting champ, uh, he bends the bars like pretzels and then, you know, leaping out, Sees down below, there goes Gorilla Grimes. Gotta keep him in sight, not to lose him for an instant. Maybe he'll lead me to the hive and Queen Bee, wherever they are. So, moving like the winged mammal he's named for, Batman makes every shadow of the city an ally as, there he goes, you know, spying Gorilla Grimes going up a, a stairs of the new skyscraper. Blast it! Marsha keeps popping into my thoughts. Gotta forget her, concentrate on this job. But why did she double-cross me? So, Batman... Follows Gorilla in and enters the towering glass structure. Funny, the Batman, no night watchman or doorman. Grimes went left. I'll just follow. These officers look innocent enough, but uh, but from the shadows, Grimes! And he jumps on Batman. Correct, Batman. I don't know how you sprung yourself, but you're going to wish you were back in the cooler after I put you on ice. Don't catch your ice cubes before they're frozen, Grimes, says Batman, you know, giving a, a judo throw over his head. Um, but uh, as he does so, Grimes apparently presses a wall button. I'm no tennis ball for you, pal. Game, set, and match to me. <laughs> a steel desk, says Batman, being hurled by a spring. What a strange <laughs> defense mechanism. Yeah. Um, so as this desk, you know, hurls at Batman, he uses all his acrobatic skill, uh, tumbling backward against the door and, uh, you know, crashing it open. Absorbing the impact that would have killed an ordinary mortal, uh, he goes flying over and down the corridor as uh, from the mail chute, you know, this death trap continues as we see uh, gas coming from that mail chute slot. Cough, cough, making me black out. Oh, as Batman goes down. And uh, a short while later, we, uh, you know, we see what um, had been foreshadowed in the opening panel. And, you know, Batman's knocked out there on the table before Eclipso and Queen Bee. Batman's arrival complicates things. I thought you'd made sure he was out of action, Queen Bee. I, I did Eclipso. But somehow he outwitted me. Gasp! Cyclops. Oh, maybe maybe it's Elsa. Is that who right. you thought it was? Cyclops. <laughs> Cyclops will punish us for this failure. One of their agents is due here any moment. Let him come. Batman will not bother us again because I, Eclipso, will destroy him. As, With uh, my ugly, ugly face. I was going to say, right, this is possibly the <laughs> ugliest panel we've ever seen of Eclipso. It's shockingly bad. 
turn the page and see what happens next. As, uh, as soon, you know, we see Eclipso grabbing Batman, saying, This chute leads directly into the river depths. In a few minutes, the mighty Batman will be fish food. And he's, you know, dragging him toward a chute. But, but, says uh, Queen Bee, farewell, Batman. Ha ha ha! Down, 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 plunges the limp body until, you know, we see him come out, you know, into, into the drink. Where am I? Says Batman underwater. <laughs> Got to make the surface, but it's a long way. Batman, you know, still speaking. Yeah, still speaking and swimming for the surface. Uh, so as desperate but powerful arms flail upward, uh, we see Batman break the surface uh, you know, toward a garbage barge. Well, any port in a storm. While that gas KO'd me, I could still hear. That skyscraper is a fantastic tower of crime led by Eclipso. And that other voice? I, I can't believe it. As, uh, Batman... Pulls himself up on the garbage barge as just then, Over there! It's Batman! Let him have it! A police patrol boat! You know, as the spotlight hits Batman. Bullseye! We'll get promotions for this! And they say as, you know, pop, 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 you know, they're, they're firing their, their little weapons at him, you know, I think assuming that they have hit him. Mm -hmm. um, but when the news reaches Commissioner Gordon, What? Batman dead? No! Sure, I gave the order for his arrest, but I never figured you clowns would shoot him! Get out of here! Oh, says Gordon. Batman's death proves one thing. He had nothing to do with this crime wave. How does that prove that? <laughs> because, it, oh, because it's getting worse. <laughs> every, every minute, it's turned into an epidemic, says Gordon, you know, looking up at his big board, basically tearing his own hair out. <laughs> Commissioner, says, uh, you know, the, the chief, a Dr. Bruce Gordon is here to see you. Dr. Gordon, the great scientist, my pleasure, says other Gordon, turning around. Commissioner Gordon, you know, says Bruce Gordon. Um, we've come to offer help in fighting this crime wave. I've uh, run into Eclipso often, and I'm an expert on his bizarre powers and methods and artwork and storytelling and every other bizarre <laughs> thing about him. So I'm just wondering, did they ever relate those two? Relate Commissioner what two? Gordon, uh, Commissioner Gordon and Dr. Gordon? I don't, well, we said before that, you know, Bruce Gordon is an inside joke based on Bruce Wayne and Commissioner Gordon. So it's like, like I said, like a play on words. Um, so we see Bruce Gordon, you know, coming in flanked by Simon Bennett and uh, Mona Honey. As uh, Commissioner Gordon says, we'll take any aid we can get. Delighted to have you, Doctor. After all, we Gordons must stick together. <laughs> so mm. yes, there's your, uh -huh. your little inside joke. The Commissioner would die of shock, thinks, you know, Bruce Gordon, if he knew Eclipso was really Bruce's other evil identity. Uh, so meanwhile, back at the Hive... Ah, beautiful hall, Queen Bee, says Eclipso. Enough honey to sweeten our pot, and that Cyclops, too. Mm, you can say that again, Eclipso, says Queen Bee. And with you beside me to rule this crime roost, who knows how many worlds we can conquer together, as, you know, Eclipso grabs her on the waist. Ugh, don't touch me, you freak, you murderer. As uh, Queen Bee dashes, you know, out of his grasp toward a secret elevator that leads to the top floor control room. Indeed, it's labeled control. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> I feared this would happen. She's turned soft because we knocked off Batman. She can't be trusted anymore. I must liquidate her. Uh, but, uh, but as the Master of Darkness, you know, follows her up to the control room, you know, he sees uh, something a little unexpected. Queen Bee! What? What's climbing out from the eye? As we see, you know, that, that big eye we saw earlier. Mm -hmm. And there's a sort of hooded figure, you know, coming from the, uh, uh, the pupil of it. It's the agent from Cyclops. It has to be, since only one of their men would know about that secret entrance, says Queen Bee. Correct, says the secret agent. Cyclops has been watching your operation. I bring orders from world control. You two are finished. I am to take command here at once. But, but why? Don't argue with him, Queenie. I'll blast him, says Eclipso. No one stands against Eclipso. Man, is this the living end? Asks our hip 
<laughs> narration. We're no. a snapper car. <laughs> yeah. Only the end of part two. The third and concluding part, guaranteed to drive you absolutely ape, continues on the next page. You know, like, I don't want to drag this out. I, I don't want to ask, like, too many questions about this ludicrous story. But, like, all right. If Cyclops is this world organization thing, like, when did they engage the services of Eclipso? Like, he's not, like... Uh, you know, uh, an at-large villain. He's like this thing trapped inside Bruce Gordon that only comes out every so often. It's not like he's this master criminal. It's not like they're paying. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's just it. like, how do they even know each other? It's, yeah. I, want, I want to throttle this story around the neck, you know? Like, <sighs> I'm very, very tired. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> so, but uh, all right. Here we are, part three, Batman versus Eclipso. As the, oh, the man from Cyclops, now abbreviated, C-Y-C-L-O-P-S, which it hasn't been up to this point. So as the man from Cyclops, the international all-powerful crime syndicate, has just informed Eclipso and Queen Bee that their criminal services will no longer be needed, uh, this makes the old double face, as they're calling Eclipso, real mad. In fact, he's trying to put the triple whammy on the guy from the big eye. Replace Eclipso? Correction! It is you who will be replaced by my Black Gem's power! As, you know, Eclipso pulls his black diamond out and, you know, sort of blasts this, you know, in the general direction of this agent. Fool, do you really think you can defy Cyclops? Says the agent, you know, ducking out of the way of the blast. Smash him, Eclipso, says Queen Bee. If he escapes, we'll be visited by the execution squad within 24 hours. Uh, but now, as the agent, quote-unquote, sprints down a nearby corridor, Don't worry, Queen Bee, I never fail. Once I zero in, his hood came off, huh? It's Batman, says uh, Queen Bee, as indeed, you know, the hood comes off, and of course, it, it's Batman. He looks all black ops. It's, uh, it's very cool, actually, yeah. He's sort of like, you know, he's wearing that sort of like, you know, um, black BDU outfit, you know, yeah. I guess of the, uh, you know, the secret agent, but you see the, the bat cowl on top. It's actually very sleek. Um, you like tricks, Batman? Then here's one, says Eclipso, you know, hitting a button. What? Says Batman. The corridor floor, moving at top speed. Ha ha ha! As, you know, suddenly Batman is, you know, scrambling for dear life in this, uh, you know, high-speed treadmill. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> Let's uh, turn the page and see how he gets out of it. So, his true identity exposed, the Cape Crusader uh, sent rushing back toward his waiting foe, and another second and I'll be in range of Eclipso's bolts, you know, says Scrambling Batman. And then it's bye-bye Batman. Wait, he says as a uh, little, you know, thing in the roof opens up. A hand! Batman up here! As a hand, you know, comes down. Queen Bee! Marsha, you? Hmm. As he sees through her not-so-clever disguise. You did too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes, Batman, I, I see you really know who I am. But believe me, I'm trying to save you now. Hurry, follow me this way. So, as the strange pair darts down the secret passage, Yes, Marsha, Batman explains, I recognize your voice before, but why have you done... And also your red hair and your face, you know, only covered <laughs> by this tiny domino mask. You know, but why did you turn criminal? Why did you frame me? Why? <laughs> I had to, Batman, says Marsha. My father got involved with Cyclops. To keep his name clear and save him from death by their assassins, I agreed to cooperate with him, to become queen of this crime hive. I only wanted to put you behind bars, out of the way of trouble. I never dreamed you'd turn up this way and tangle with Eclipso. So suddenly you turned all goody-goody, says Batman. Kind of late, baby, isn't it? Says Batman, a very, very un-Batman-like. Wow. <laughs> oh, darling, please try to understand. I had no choice once caught in the Cyclops' web. There's no escape. I hated doing it to you, the only man I've ever loved. This door, it leads to the weapons room. Please save yourself, says uh, you know, Queen Bee Marsha opening this door. Come with me, Marsha, says Batman, pausing to smooch her. 
Uh, I'll get you that late sentence. Like 20 years, darling? No, you'll have forgotten me by then. It's too late for me, but Batman must live to fight on. And, uh, you know, Batman climbs into the elevator shaft and Queen Bee wishes him, Good luck. I'll try to stall Eclipso. Here's a souvenir of my love. The Cat Emerald, says Batman. Thanks, baby. So long for now. But suddenly, rising up with dizzying speed, Queen Bee doesn't know I heard everything via transistor mic concealed in her costume. I'll tend to her later, but first, I'll flatten Batman like a fly on the roof. Ha ha ha! Eclipso, says Batman, coming up while I'm going down. Uh, so caught in the shaft like a trapped insect, the all-time champ crime buster busts out, you know, making for the, uh, the glass walls of the building. Lucky they make these new buildings with glass walls, says Batman, you know, smashing through. Uh, continued on the third page following. As we turn the page to uh, another two-page ad, and uh, what do we got here on the left page? Uh, Weird, oh, crazy, monster, crazy labels. <laughs> Weirdo and monster, crazy labels. And then on the on the right side, uh, another one of those uh, subscription pages. This, I think the, the same same selection. I think we saw it last time. These are all the same titles here you know we're missing house of secrets but yeah everything else is standard but then uh before this is being hawked by metamorpho this time out it's uh being hawked by uh mr mixia's Pitalik. you know remember i said the thing about batman had his little sprite in the form of batmite yeah well, this is a corresponding one on superman well actually you probably know him from the super friends he was one of the the legion of doom or whatever the little i don't recall him you don't remember him uh -uh. um but what he's doing here the way he gets sent back to his dimension is superman has to trick him into saying his uh, his name backward um, but apparently what he's doing is, you know, I guess he's mocking Superman by giving us this uh, subscription offer backwards. So you haven't done this in a while. We've, we've been away from these Zatanna stuff. So I'm actually going to keep you in practice. Go ahead and read Mr. Mixia's Pitalix the thing backwards. <laughs> uh, you reading your comics, comic mags. I hate Superman and all his DC <laughs> pals. It's, it's, it's a slap. It's a but... slap, right? <laughs> So I'm warning you, don't take advantage of DC's terrific offer, 12 issues of Action Comics for the price of 10. <laughs> My accents are all wrong. <laughs> for the price of 10. It looks like this is Daredevil. But it's right. a, yeah, or, or Dereveled. Right, Dereveled. <laughs> Delivered to your home before they reach the stands, exclamation point. So what if you save 20, 20 cents on a year of thrills with <laughs> name or pus <laughs> with Superman and Supergirl? So what if you not gorilla puss? Not gorilla puss. No. <laughs> uh, so what if you can get the same deal when you subscribe to other DC mags? Don't do it! Exclamation point. Right. And Superman counters with better subscribe quick fans before I trick Mister Mixias Pitalik into saying his name backwards, and this offer vanishes with him. So I'm sorry I tortured you there, but I'm sorry I tortured you. I'm just trying to delay <laughs> before we get back to the story. Let's burn up as much time as we can. Almost over. Yeah. So yeah, let's turn this page. I think yeah, I think we only got another handful of pages. So let's see what's 
what's next. So what is next is that at the same instant, on the street hundreds of feet below, as you know, we see Batman come crash out the window. Glory be! <laughs> oh, it is. It's O'Brien. Or wait, is his name O'Brien? No, O'Hara. O'Hara. I'm thinking Star Trek is O'Brien. <laughs> Glory be, Batman. O'Brien to headquarters. O'Brien to headquarters. Uh, so for a split second, we see the famed figure dropping toward the uncaring stone of the naked city. Uh, but then uh, we see Batman spread his cape. So it keeps good for a short glide, just enough to grab a bat's grip to the glass with the suction disc from my utility belt. As we see, you know, Batman reach out to the, the glass wall and, yeah, you know, his little finger suction cups. Right. <laughs> but Batman's troubles are really just beginning as uh, we see two of Queen Bee's drones. Only these ones have stingers, thinks Batman. Uh, so bracing himself, clinging only with one hand, the Guardian of Gotham lets loose with a batarang. Wonder how many points I get for a double, he says, you know, cracking the, uh, the little, you know, bee men. Uh, so as the two drones flutter harmlessly down, why would they flutter at all? They should <laughs> like, like crash down with their little rocket packs. Um, but as they, you know, flutter, apparently, blazes, says Batman, eclipse himself coming for me with an automated window cleaner car. <laughs> so as this automated window cleaner car, you know, zips towards Batman, yow, he's trying to clean me off like a speck of soot, but I'm one speck that can move, you know, as uh, Batman jumps away. Um, as at this very moment below, you know, we see... The, the pair of Gordons, Commissioner and Bruce. It's Batman, tangling with Eclipso, says Commissioner Gordon. Bring up the hook and ladder. Professor, says Bruce Gordon to uh, Bennett. We've got to get Eclipso back in my body without anyone knowing. Commissioner, uh, says Bruce Gordon. I've faced Eclipso before. Let me ride up the ladder. It's your neck, Gordon. Good luck, says Gordon. So, while this is going on, you know, we zoom back up. Where now, while Batman is still clinging to his perilous hold. You see, you know, Eclipso bust out the diamond again. Black light, says Batman. He's covering me with it. Now he'll be able to easily pick me off. A blind bat now. The cowled crusader can only cling and listen to the sound of the vehicle rushing toward him. Ha ha ha. He'll be a sitting duck for my energy bowls now, says Eclipso maniacally. He looks like an evil smurf or something. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, you know, you're right. He does. <laughs> so let's turn to the final page and see how this all plays out. There's a uh... As the Master of Darkness switches his infamous black gem to his uneclipsed eye, now the coup de grace, I, huh? Bruce Gordon! <laughs> as, uh, as Bruce Gordon indeed is climbing the ladder, Batman's blinking, now's my chance, another instant and Eclipso will unleash that energy blast. So a swift toss of the chemically activated plastic grenade, which up to this point I think has not been mentioned, nope. <laughs> um, but you know apparently that's something uh, you know Bruce Gordon concocted because he throws it up and it explodes in front of Eclipso, you know, blessing forth light, my nemesis. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Bruce Gordon loses his hold on the ladder. <laughs> so he doesn't say that. But uh, great stars, says Simon Bennett from the ground. The light grenade flash blinded everyone. The fireman can't see Bruce falling. Ah, says a, a woman. Uh, but as the young scientist falls, he expertly aims himself like a high diver. And we see, you know, he gets right below Eclipso in the same body shape, and so as Eclipso falls, he falls into Bruce. And, uh, you know, and Simon Bennett, you know, apparently had guarded his eyes, you know, it looks like shades, because he sees this happening and says, Thank heavens, Bruce did it, just as Eclipso returned to his body, unseen. Which, oh my god, so the blast blinded the firefighters, but yet they were still able to hold the net in such a place to catch Bruce Gordon. Yep. This They're experts. almost over. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so afterwards, as police make a clean sweep of the crime skyscraper, 
What, Dr. Gordon? Says Commissioner Gordon. You say Eclipso's vanished, but how? Uh, probably through one of the Hive's secret escape tunnels, says Bruce Gordon, but at least this nest is cleaned out forever. So now, as the hook and ladder brings down a hitchhiker, you know, Batman, thanks for the lift, Commissioner. By the way, here's the cat emerald. I got it back from the real thief. Maybe this will prove I was framed, which it completely would not. <laughs> like, that nope. would prove that you stole it, dude. Yes, it would. <laughs> well, I'll be, says Commissioner Gordon. I sure was fooled, Batman. <laughs> Come, Mona, says, uh... Bruce Mona Gordon. Honey. Yeah, Mona Honey. Professor, time for our exit before they get too curious about Eclipso's disappearance. Check, Bruce, says Bennett. That was a real close call, but your double identity remains a secret to us and only one other. And, uh, oh, look at that. That's actually a cool, cool footnote. Yeah, the one other is Prince Rahman, Mind Master, who appears with Eclipso in the House of Secrets, another great DC mag. So I was saying it was a cool thing because, you know, they note, they note Eclipso in Brave and the Bull, but actually it's just a plug to, you know, go mm -hmm. buy House of Secrets. Yeah. Um, so later, uh, when a lonely, familiar figure stands in that darkening light that covers the naked city, uh, Batman finds Queen Bee's costume, Marsh is gone, someday she'll have to pay for her crimes, and when that day comes, she'll need all my help. Until then, farewell, honey. The end. Thank God this is over. Um, just a couple other quick notes or whatever. Um, no, this version of the Queen Bee never comes back. Um, Marsha Monroe, you know, this, this, you know, supposed great love of Batman's is never mentioned again, you know, or before. I mean, it only ever appears in this story. Uh, like I say, the Queen Bee that most people would know is the JLA villain who's completely different and, you know, da, da, da. So Bob Haney was, like, just really in his own little world. His own little world, yeah. And, and like I said, you know, like, like, these are hard to get through, but I think some of it has to do with the, um, you know, character of Eclipso. Like, he's just not that great of a character. I, d I don't want to be completely sour on Haney. Like, he's he's wacky, and like I say, he doesn't cling to continuity. But that being said, you know, I've read some Brave and the Bold stories that he wrote that were really quite good. Yeah. Um, yeah, like Brave and the Bold 100, for instance, is one of my favorites or whatever. It, um, it has to do, it's uh, Batman, Green Arrow, Green Lantern, and Black Canary busting up a heroin ring and it's actually it's really quite good one that's su nice. super bizarre but actually kind of neat from like we were talking about the atom and how you like the scientific stuff yeah there's one story where um batman is shot and is like in a coma um but the only way to find you know the the, the guys who did this or whatever is you know adam figures out is by you know batman's got some residual memory so what he does is he shrinks down so so tiny that he literally gets into batman's brain and begins like hopping around controlling like his thalamus and hypothalamus and all these different parts really? to get make batman like sit up like almost like a zombie and walk around the city going on instinct to find this place yeah so like and that's a bob haney story like Please. this is really good um a couple of the dead men stories that were or dead man stories or whatever i say dead men because there's more than one but um you know dead man stories that we'll read in brave and the bold are written by bob Haney too. So like I say, I don't want to, with a unified brush, just, you know, say Bob Haney sucks or whatever. He doesn't. That being said, I'm going to say across the board, I think Eclipso sucks. Like, you know, <laughs> like I, I just, I've never dug the character. Um, in the 90s, he's, you know, um, pumped up a little more. Uh, you know, he becomes, like I say, sort of like spirit of vengeance, and, you know, and, and there he's a little more palatable, but honestly not much, you know. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the bane of uh, comic collector's existence, you know, how like, uh, you know, I get my little comics bagged and boarded, right? And yeah. they, they fit in this, um, you know, special uh, comic box. box, right? And they all fit back to back. Well, the first issue of uh, a big series from the 90s called Eclipso, The Darkness Within, uh, in the 90s, they had different, like, you know, tricks to sell comics. Like, they put, like, you know, glossy, shiny covers or, like, holograms or whatever. Uh -huh. um, the one for they did for Eclipso is they pasted 
to his eye a the black diamond he always yeah. uses. So like a sort of gem on the cover of this comic book, which is kind of neat, except for the fact that when you go to bag it and board it, it, yeah, it, it screws ruins. up all the rest of it. And, and that's like, kind of fitting because Eclipso's not a great character. Evil, I'm going to ruin your comic books. Yes, you know? there you go. So um, The other thing I just want to note on this real quick is this ends on a, a two-third page. The bottom third actually is just an ad for you know something that makes no sense other than the fact that we looked on the cover. It says, definitely coming, the brand new look. Go-Go Checks from DC. So once again, that sort of black and white thing. And I, I mentioned at the beginning that I was going to talk about this. Um, so like I say, similar to um, you know the purple or you know some of the other tricks they tried in the Silver Age to sell comics based on covers, you know, putting like gorillas or text or whatever, you know. These Go-Go Checks was DC's idea from like 66 through 68, almost paralleling the, um, the Batmania or whatever. Across all their comics, they would put this or whatever. So when they're on the stands... They jump out like the very top of it. You look and you're like, "Oh, that's a DC." You know, you see it right there. Like, even if they're all stacked or whatever, you know, so you, you can just grab the DC comics. You just go like, for the go go checks. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Actually, so yeah, you go for the go go checks. That's funny. Go go go. Um, and like you know, people look back at the the go go check era. You know, with fondness. You know, they're they're somewhat wacky, but you know, it was the dawn of the era where comics. You know, at least on the DC side, you know, were becoming more relevant. You mm -hmm. know, trying to tap into, like we said, you know, some of that uh, that Marvel you know juice that was going on at the time. <laughs> Um, so, uh, let me just, let me flip through the rest of this and see if there's anything else of note in here. Um, let's see, we don't have a letters page, but we have a, a famous foes through the ages. It looks like they're trying to tie in the, you know, Eclipso to the fact that, you know, there's been other bad guys throughout history, like, um, I don't know, like David and Goliath, they mention, uh, what is it? Richard the Lionhearted versus Saladin. <laughs> Joe Lewis versus Max Schmeling, two boxers. I don't think that's a... And then on the other page, another one of those Henry Bolton off, you know, Cap's hobby hint things. Here, uh, Cap's trying to sell the boy a little chemistry kit. And uh, he takes it home and makes a chocolate milkshake. <laughs> hey! Nice. I like chemistry. Yeah. So that's it then for this issue of uh, Brave and the Bold. Please don't judge the, the series by this story. You know, like I say... Uh, you know, I think uh, Eclipse has a lot to do with it. And like I said, and, and also, you know, this was another one of those efforts to finally save, you know, House of Secrets from cancellation. Right. Uh, but spoiler, uh, it didn't work, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Um, so that then is what we have on the agenda for tonight. Um, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, you know, for your, your judgments, uh, which do you want to go first? You want to talk about the story we just did or you want to talk yeah. about the, the Batman one? Let, let's do the story first and we can just uh, get that out of the way. All right, cool. Okay, so um, I don't think it's any secret that, I mean, this the, the, the bird is dead on this one. It, it happened sometime during the story. Okay, moving on to the Batman TV show then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so... The dialogue right from the very beginning, it was just like he was trying too, too hard to be cool. Ooh, oh, yeah. <sighs> Bob Haney, just real, real quick or whatever, you know, I, I'm sorry, I don't want to use server, but Bob Haney is known for that. And so I said that some of the things that he created, right, he created Metamorpho, he created Eclipso, but the Teen Titans is also his thing. And I don't know does he, that... Does it work there? Well, no, it completely doesn't. I, so I don't, like I said, I don't know if our show, if we're going to do any Teen Titans stories because there's really not any magic stuff. There's one story that I'm maybe considering doing about this villain called the, the Gargoyle. Um, but that being said, you know, like, like I said, there's not much that's going to be germane to our show. But one of the things that runs through there is this fake hipster language. Like, you know, Bob Haney and, and you know, uh, if his fellow writers or whatever are 
old men writing for children. So they're trying to sound young and cool and zowie and, you know, whatever. Like, so I think the entirety of their slang comes from what they gleaned from, like, you know, teen beat magazines of the day, you know, about like the Beatles, everything is ginchy gear, you know, whatever. And it's just, it's so silly or whatever, you know, and I can't help but feel that like a kid reading this would go, these are lame, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what you're saying about this story, absolutely. That's, that's part of the course with his writing. Was Eclipso, was he a popular character or was he just like, because we, we've only done a few of his stories. Like, you know, what, what was the timeline for him? Yeah, well, so, I mean, he was around just for, you know, a, a few years or whatever. But no, I mean, like, you know, if you want to say, like, obviously, I'm not there. You know, I wasn't a fly on the wall to see, you know, who was popular and who wasn't. But let, let's judge by the fact that they're canceling the title, right? You know, like, doing right. everything possible to try to, like, save this title. And, you know, it, it's not working. Okay. You know? Yeah. So, and the other thing that, like, that bugged me besides, you know, like, I, I thought Snapper Car was going to make another appearance in this because <laughs> it was, like, it, it was too cool for me. Um, I, I also saw that, like, Batman was being set up right from the beginning. And I couldn't figure out why... Batman couldn't see it because he's always been portrayed to be this great detective. Earth yeah. B, man. That's all I can say. It's, you know, <laughs> it's like everybody acts completely different than they would in like any other title. Yeah. Uh, and the, the spanking actually really caught me off guard. So I was super surprised, you know, like when, when you said like, hey, but it's not the first time. Oh, Papa Spank. Yeah, yeah Papa well, he, Spank. So he threatened in that one. He didn't actually do it though. <laughs> um. Yeah, so... That, that's that's pretty much it. The, the artwork was fine. It was much, much better than the story was. Yeah. Um, well, it's Wynn Mortimer, right? You know, so like I say, he's... Uh, thus far, we've only seen his, his humorous stuff with Stanley and his monster. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is his first, like, superhero stuff. Yeah, he's got a, a sort of a nice polished style. I, I kind of dig him. He did some Legion work that, you know, I'm fond of. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I did notice is that uh, there are some panels in here that'll be, like, that, that you can, like, pick out and use a standalone panels, kind of like, you know, Papa Spank. Yeah. You know, um, and I'm, they'll, they'll end up on the website. Uh, but all told, yes, this is, uh, the, the story was bad, and um, it's, we, we have a dead bird here. A dead bird, okay. <laughs> no, no argument there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, um, so then the other thing, you know, that, uh, you know, I guess we're putting up for your judgment is the uh, the combined, you know, Batman episodes, you know, last uh, time around, we we watched you know Zelda the Great, and then this time it was a death worse than fate, and you wanted to take a look at those as a, a, a whole story. Thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, um, which I have to say, the the first half of that story was uh, stronger, more interesting than the second half. Um, the the second half just kind of seemed um, almost a little forced, but all told, I have to say, I like the kitschiness of the story, and um, I think that. Anybody else besides Adam West would have had a really hard time playing that. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's gold, man. Like I say, him, him <laughs> and Shatner, you know, are the, the two pillars of that, that sort of, you know, over-the-top, you know, 60s acting. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it, it's fantastic stuff. Um, some of the, the criminal stuff in the second half wasn't nearly as interesting. Um, but all told, I really like the story. Uh, it's it's fun to watch. Mm -hmm. And it... That that's the Batman that I prefer, and especially like in light of just seeing him as being like you know, Batman calling his uh, his lover babe. Yeah, I know. And like, I, I much much more preferred in in the TV version. You that's, like the the suave, debonair, you know, Adam West take on on female relations. That's the Batman I know. Well, you when, know? You got, when you got Anne Baxter <laughs> coming up toward you in you know tailored you know prison pajamas. I mean. Like, <laughs> 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 those heels i mean that'll keep you escaping from anywhere 
So, um, but yeah, so the the TV show is a win, and uh, I I really liked it. Yeah. So. Live bird. So you got live bird yes. as far as the TV show. Okay, cool. All right, so right off that, apologies everyone for <laughs> you know for this two part episode. You know the only saving grace, like I say, is that we did break it into originally. You know um, before we decided to do the um, you know Batman TV episode, you know, we were going to do both of the Eclipso issues. You know in one episode. Um, so just everyone, thank the Lord that didn't happen. <laughs> I think we I think we would have been canceling. I, I, can you cancel a podcast? Like the internet would ban us from putting out any more episodes <laughs> after that. Um, but yeah, so let's just, let's put that behind us and, you know, like I say, just look forward to, uh, you know, what's coming up next and what is coming up next on our next episode after you get back from your trip, uh, is a story that's going to deal with a ghost returning, uh, to the world after a number of years, uh, being absent. Um, now I know the advertisements that we've seen, you know, would suggest it's the, uh, Spectre, um, but spoilers, you know, for anybody who's, you know, going to be tuning into the next one, hoping to see a Spectre, I'll just, you know, come right out and say, it's not, <laughs> you know, it's a completely different bent, you know, or whatever. And uh, just uh, stick with it. You know, you'll have fun. Trust me, it's going to be a good one. Um, so with that in mind, you know, uh, you want to call this one a wrap and get yep. to, so you can go pack. <laughs> yeah, 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 I should. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So once again, uh, we want to thank everyone uh, for joining us. You know, we hope you had a good time, you know, in spite of the uh, horrible story. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and, uh, and we hope that in spite of that, we hope to see you next time on the Parliament of Rooks podcast. Thanks, everybody. Honey, you just take me as I am, or you just let me be. That's right, because I'm a king bee. Buzzing round your hat. Well, I'm a king bee, baby. Buzzing round your hat. Well, I can make honey, baby. Well, let me come inside. Well, I'm a king, babe. I want you to be my queen, yeah. I'm a king, babe, baby. want you to be my queen. Well, together we can make honey, baby. The world has never seen. Okay, let's buzz a while. A buzz, buzz. A buzz, buzz. A buzz, buzz. A buzz, buzz. Questions, comments, corrections, and suggestions may be sent to tporpodcast at gmail.com. I'm a king, babe. I can buzz all night long. Well, I'm a king, babe, baby. I can buzz all night long. Well, I can bust better, baby, when your man is, when your man is, when your man is, when your man is. Yeah. <laughs>